0: Welcome to From Betrayal to Breakthrough. I'm Dr. Debbie Silber and today's guest is Debbie Emick. Debbie is the co-creator and blogger at GoBucketYourself.com. She's the co-host of the One Life Live It podcast. She lives on the plains of southeastern Colorado with her husband, two daughters, Denali the dog, and her six chickens. When she's not Uh, traveling to the mountains the beach or spanish-speaking countries you'll find her there in her sunroom or on her back porch sipping hot tea doesn't that sound so nice (laughs) if you're wondering if your autoimmune challenges may have something to do with your emotions stuck in your body you are going to love this episode i'm speaking with debbie emick who will who went on a healing journey to regain her health and discovered so much more in the process here's debbie Okay, everybody. I'm speaking with Debbie Amick today, and we're going to be talking about releasing childhood trauma to heal autoimmune disease. Welcome, Debbie. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure to be here. Absolutely. You know, so often we have these uh, autoimmune issues, and we just think it shows up just because, or because of stress, or because of whatever. And, you know, we're really taking it back to childhood because. That's where so many things start, isn't it? Can you share your story? Let's start there.
1: Sure. Um, I would say that the way you introed that is pretty in line with how I felt going forward learning that I had some health issues that needed to be addressed. But um, about 10 years ago, I just started having some issues that i couldn't ignore anymore so like after mowing the lawn i wouldn't be able to push a shopping cart the next day because i had so much pain in my hands and wrists and elbows Um, i had been running but i had to stop because i had so much pain in my hip and so eventually that led me down this like long winding path of of figuring out what was going on um autoimmune diseases take a long time a lot of tests a lot of doctors um And and so I was really confronted with the um, just impermanence of my life and my health at that point. And after feeling out of control of that for quite a while, just uh, taking a lot of medications for a while, I was taking like nine different prescription pills, three different uh, times, every day, I started to try to work on things that I could control, um, in my environment, things that I was doing every day that, that might also help. And so it first began like working on the food I put into my body, um, which eventually led to like reading labels on everything and decreasing toxicity and, you know, whatever products I used. Um, and, I worked on those kinds of things, exercise, like keeping my body, you know, in as good of health as I could, and eventually decided leaving my job to eliminate that stress would be like the final magic bullet that would heal everything, solve all the problems. And it wasn't until then that I found myself at like my lowest point, um, a really dark moment. And also, still physically in pain in my body, so not healthy and emotionally just the lowest I had ever been. And-, and you know what?
0: And I want to stop you right there because here you are trying to do so many different things, and you would think, okay, well, now my eating is under control, and I'm, I changed around my eating a little bit, I'm I'm exercising, I'm even gonna leave the stress. I mean, if you if you look at what we typically do. To make healthy lifestyle changes, that's it. I mean, you would think that that would sort of move the needle for you. And I guess on one hand, it through process of elimination, you realize, okay, well, I did that and I'm still in pain, so there's more going on.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, at first that was just a point of failure for me, right? Like how could I still be here? I've done everything I know. And um, it was kind of like clawing out of that really dark place, knowing I never wanted to get back there just to break some cycles for my own daughters, not unconsciously create more that led me to finding that um, when I was able to actually process and release some emotional trauma, some repressed emotions, physical pain also began to leave my body.
0: Well, let's and talk so- about that. Yeah, because it's, you know, so here you're, you're saying, okay, well, maybe let me just take a look at the emotions. You left your job to reduce the stress.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What, what had you think like, okay, you know what, this is an emotional issue and I need to dive in deeply here.
1: Yeah. So I'll try to be as brief as I can. Um, I look at those other things that I was doing, not as easy, right? But they were simple. And I was pretty good at using external things to control myself, to try to control my environment. And so it took a while for me to learn that I I was perfectionist and people pleasing in nature. And in retrospect, I can see that I just used food and exercise and like supplements and uh, and vitamins as an extra addition to that. Um, And so I was searching for some help finding a probiotic. And I went to this chiropractor and, um, and she like saw through that and she, she did help me find a probiotic and work on healing my gut, which was a part of getting better. You know, it all works together, mm-hmm. but she also did some somatic work with me that sort of just opened up this space that made me, uh, go back to this traumatic place in childhood that made and me I, realize right. that there I was
0: one yeah, yeah. And I just want to stop you there. For those who aren't familiar, somatic, that's body-based, some body-based uh, modalities. Okay, go ahead.
1: Yeah, it's really hard to explain. So somatic is like the easiest, you know, term to put on it, but it really was... Uh, releasing physical held emotions in my body. And, and I, I was super skeptical of that at first. I didn't really want to do it. I went out looking for skeptics, right? I told my husband, this is what she's doing. She wants me to go back. And I told a good friend and they were both like, you've tried everything else. I don't know why you wouldn't just try it. Um, And over time, which in you know, in relation to all the time I had spent working on these other things, really wasn't that long. I started to notice this physical pain uh, in my shoulders. I had a really hard time lifting my shoulders above a certain place. Uh, this pain in my like thighs that I just always had uh, was was getting less and less. Um, and so that was enough to keep me going and and to sort of dig up what I had never dealt with. You know, I eventually realized that I thought by just being positive and forgiving, which now I see was a real superficial way of doing. So I was moving on. I never had to deal with it. Right. Um, I didn't talk about it, but I was really just holding it closer. And so it was only by like acknowledging it that I was able to release it finally.
0: So now you're saying by releasing it, by addressing it, what's the, are you, are you okay with sharing what the it is? Sure.
1: Okay. Uh, yeah. Do we have a um, context here? Right. So I, I grew up in this really wild place in Colorado, right? And my family was very um, cohesive. Mom, dad, brother, all worked together um, on the ranch. And, um, you know, from a very childhood perspective, everything was great. Eventually they broke apart and through the course of breaking apart, um, I, the relationship I had with my dad kind of left my life altogether. And my mom, um, through the course of many years married to people that were addicted to alcohol. And so they brought with them all of, all of, you know, that you bring with you when you carry those addictions. And my mom developed these, uh, you know, maybe over the course of those years, developed these codependencies. And so that's what was going on in my life. Eventually, I ended up living with a couple of friends in their basements. Um, and so what I had never really named or addressed was the abandonment and the abusive type uh, behaviors that come with having those men in our home and with my, my dad stepping away and then eventually not, not living with either of my parents. Mm -hmm. And so this was over the course of, um, you know, many years of my life from about like fifth grade to until I graduated from high school and, and was on my own. Do you remember any physical symptoms back then? Oh, that's interesting. Or did they start later? I, I would get like, I, I believe that I probably did. Um, Like looking back, maybe it was depression, but I would Mm -hmm. get really tired. I would need to stay home from school. Um, I had had mono when I was younger and it felt almost like that mono would come back every year for a while. Um, So that's what I can say about when I was younger. And then when I was just getting married and starting my own life, I definitely had those same things going on. I remember going to the, to doctors and saying, I'm just so tired and I'm young. I don't know why I'm tired. So I would say that I could identify that more as like an emotional low that was making me tired possibly.
0: And did you ever think that when you, let's say as an adult, did you revisit some of that and and cuz when you said you you forgave and then you realized it was superficial mm-hmm. what was the process to did you sort of look at it and say okay okay I forgive just to move on like what was your experience
1: you mean like now a less superficial form of forgiving is that the question or what did I do back then
0: well because you said you would you would revisit it and you would and you forgave it, and you did mm-hmm. all of these things. So there must have been some part of you that says, "Okay, I need to, I need to do something with this, so I could kind of wrap it up in a, you know, neat little bow and send it on its way." So what was your process to do that? And then clearly there was more to be done. But I just want, okay. I just want the audience to know what did you do as an attempt to try to manage that um, to uh-huh. the best of your ability at the time.
1: Well, the first was just hiding it kind of like protecting other people. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know that I really was protecting other people, but in my mind, I didn't tell any, you know, I didn't tell anyone else what was going on. And that was me protecting the adults in my life. Um, And so then, you know, there were there my dad would ask for forgiveness and i would say oh yeah you know he would apologize and say sorry and i would say of course yes you know um but i never really even understood true forgiveness i don't think it was like i'm a positive person i forgive i move on and i just moved on without ever really saying like this is what happened do you understand that or this is how it hurt me um and Certainly with my mother, I never had any conversations. And so that was kind of just like, uh, I, you know, we don't even need to talk about it. I, I forgive you and I just move on. So it was more of just like a mental process of mm-hmm. protecting people by thinking I was protecting them by hiding this away and then protecting myself by just moving on and never having conversations with them about it. Uh, never dealing with it, but thinking like I'm a forgiving person. I'm a positive person. So this is what I do. Right. And so then it was, was it just having the the autoimmune
0: diseases later that had you kind of connect while the stuff is not healed? What,
1: What was it? It really was at first that visit with the chiropractor after I was just in such a deep, dark moment. So I didn't ever really think like specifically about ending my life, but I definitely thought it would be better if I wasn't here. And, and looking back at that, like that was in a winter and as spring came around, I, I sort of started to lift out of the fog of that. And I realized how scary that was. I knew that I never wanted to go back there. Right. Mostly for my daughters. Um, And so every step I took forward was just trying to not go back there. So like I started taking vitamin D and like I told you, I wanted to find a probiotic and, And when she was doing emotional work that was also helping my body, I started to see the link. And so I just kept doing the emotional work, not forgetting the other work, right? Like I still take care of myself in those ways, but... Um, the more emotional work I did, the more worthiness I could find in myself. And then I could use food in a loving way. And I could use exercise in a loving way, not like a punishing way or a controlling way. Um, and so I started to let go of that, like perfectionism and be more vulnerable and open and really see who I really was, um, And so, yeah, those emotions came up uh, through that process. And mostly there was a lot of journaling and a lot of just noticing the emotions and finally letting them be there and not judging them or trying to suppress them. So there was anger and even like some rage for sure for a while. And I just let that happen. Not at other people, you know, but like um, listening to like really really, rough songs in the kitchen I remember like belting those out or going on runs and and you know letting the emotions out and so yeah through that it was like oh I never really even dealt with this and I never truly forgave because I I never even accepted what happened
0: yeah yeah and it's It's so beautiful because you see how all of this just gets trapped. It gets stuck inside and and I'm I'm seeing you now how it's, you know, this is, it's the beauty of that release of all, we're trying so hard. We're trying so hard to be there for everybody and be everything. And, and you know, I did two TEDx's and in the first one I talk about, it's like we're holding back an avalanche as best we can. You know, we're sitting, we're holding and holding. It takes so much energy because if we let, if we let our hand down, if we let that go, it's just going to create a whole storm. And that's what people are so afraid of. So they keep doing the either numbing, avoiding, distracting, you know, the forgiving on a surface level, like you said, just trying to push it away, you know, like you did, but it doesn't go away. But in that Avalanche and in your case, it sounds like that release, the the loud music and the banging on whatever and the run, you know, and those, you know, going for these these runs and and the the work that you were doing with this chiropractor it gets out and I really want to make sure everybody understands this and you've heard the issues are in the tissues. It's so true. So just imagine all of that anger and all of that rage and all of that, like the the feeling of injustice or whatever the emotions were and it's stuck. It needs to be released. Mm -hmm. It needs to be released and, and, you know, look at what happens when you do, were you surprised at some of the things you wrote when you were journaling? Like what was the, what was your response when you actually saw your own words?
1: Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Um, you know, there's so much research about the benefits of journaling for repressed emotions or repressed trauma. And, and so I read some of that and then I, I decided to do that too. Um, I don't know if I was surprised by, what came out. I was surprised more by just how freely it flowed and then the benefits of, of what came from it, like how it just felt so freeing. Um, and so, yeah, the idea really was like, sit down for a certain amount of time and just write it out, um, and let it flow. You know, I think that all of it together just brought an awareness to my own thoughts my own inner voice that I, I was not aware of at all. And so that was really like the surprising thing. I was doing these things to numb and cope. Like you said, I had, I had just gotten really good at being a perfectionist and a people pleaser. And I thought that was the way to be, like to continually get more perfect, right? And so doing this kind of healing just brought an awareness to how mean I, I was to myself, the thoughts that I, that I had, um, just how mean I spoke to myself. And then through that awareness, uh, really was the only way that I could, I could learn how to change that. So, um, changing the way that I talked to myself, like writing affirmations, rewriting the stories, um, then I could begin doing that work.
0: You know, I, I I love the realization that all of the awareness that was created, and so many of us were raised to uh, with the idea that we it we shouldn't express ourselves. It's not safe to express ourselves. It's not in our best interest to express mm-hmm. ourselves. So we start believing it, and but what happens when these you know we're not being treated well or fairly or whatever, and then we question ourselves, and that's where that that talk could start where we just, we are, like you said, you were mean to yourself and it's so, it's so common that we do Mm -hmm. that. And, and I always say, you know, if we spoke to a friend, the way we spoke to ourselves, we wouldn't have a friend in the world. So there's something so beautiful about seeing it and saying, Oh my gosh, yeah, this is, this is real. This is how I feel. And it's okay. Getting, you know, getting all this out. And then you see the physical changes. Can you share some of the somatic, some of the body-based, uh, exercises or activities that either this chiropractor did with you or uh, or you figured out yourself that really helped
1: sure uh, so she used um, something like chiropractors use called muscle testing mm-hmm. and so she would test muscle test certain parts of my body and based on where she felt whatever she would, uh, go back and also use the muscle testing to kind of go back to a certain age. And then um, when that would come up, she sort of went through this this questioning process to get to the part of what was coming up at that age. And it would just come out, like you said, there wasn't really it's very different from like talk therapy, right? There wasn't a whole lot of talking. She was asking my body what it was holding. And then my body was answering by releasing it. And so there was a physical release, like uh, tears and sweating and some shaking. And um, it's funny to think back about it. You know, it felt awful, but ultimately it wasn't, it was just like my body letting go of this. And so she would then just do some tapping stuff. Um, at that point when my body was releasing it, um, she also worked on my chakras. So she did some energetic work.
0: And um, you know, before you get to the chakra piece, I want to just stop because there are, you, you know, just even how you said a little bit of shaking when you, and Peter Levine is, I think like the, is the father of somatic, uh, exercises and things if not he's one of them. And I remember listening to something that he said where if you notice two you know two animals having a fight when it's over they'll shake and it mm. really is to release that that trauma and that's one of those things that they know to do. And that's why even just one of the greatest things we could do is that shake that release uh-huh. getting it getting it out and um and By And muscle testing, I just want to go back to that too. Muscle testing is so powerful and you'll see truth and and when something is not true. And I think even, I think I remember learning about this with uh, David R. Hawkins in Power Versus Force. He's just, I mean, that book was brilliant. And Letting Go, one of those two. And he was talking about muscle testing. And I think I remember reading that we lose uh, about 50% of our strength, of our muscle strength, when we don't believe something or when mm. we're, we're being told a lack of truth. So imagine, I mean, this is how the body responds. The, mm-hmm. the body knows, the body, yeah. you know, the body knows and the body remembers. So, okay. So now take us to the chakra work that you did, because that's powerful too.
1: Yeah, that was... um I have to say, like going into this, I was so pragmatic and I felt I needed the validation of doctors to tell me there was something wrong with me and then give me a prescription that had been researched or studied and approved or whatever. Right. And I I did that for so long and it wasn't working that I, I needed something else anyway. But going into this, I just thought this is woo woo or like, this isn't even, so I didn't really make the connection between energy and everything right yet. But, um, I was humoring her. So she was using like sound Mm -hmm. and color and for each individual chakra. Um, so whatever, you know, energy, wavelength of sound and color aligned with that. And so I would wear glasses and she would use a tuning fork and, and, um, start at the base and went to the head. And I just thought like, I'm doing this because she wants me to do it. And, it was the strangest thing. Like there were physical changes that happened in that process. Um, And she wasn't attached to it at all. Like she was just following this script of things to do, but the, my eyes, the color that I was seeing would change. And I said, is it, is this what's supposed to happen? And she was like, I don't know, whatever happens is what's supposed to happen, you know? Um, So yeah, that was interesting for sure. And it was enough to keep me looking into chakras and into energy and, And it affirmed, you know, doing meditation or doing yoga to keep our energy. In line, our energy and balance doing breath work that kind of yeah you
0: know it's funny a few things that you said first of all when the student's ready the teacher appears right and here was here was your teacher and you clearly were ready and it's so interesting to me how we go to those types of modalities when we've completely exhausted everything else Mm -hmm. and then we say well you know what let me just give it a try and one of the greatest gifts I've ever given myself is is the idea that even though I don't understand it doesn't mean it's not true. Yeah. And here you were open enough to try it and then have those kind of results. So it's like, why not delve into this a little bit deeper just because we don't know it or don't understand Mm -hmm. it, or it seems a little odd who's to say, you know, and, and I went into some amazing healing treatments with that same idea when Mm -hmm. I had severe neck and back issues, every conventional thing like that everybody said, oh, try this, try this, try this, absolutely didn't work. And one of the things that a- actually helped was Reiki, like who knew, um, you know? So, you know, it, it's, it's, we need to find what uh-huh. works for us. And you were, it sounds like you were open and you definitely had some, some healing. So what did you, so you started feeling better and what did that lead to?
1: Um, well, I, the ultimate thing was this realization that you cannot separate it, right? The mind and the body. When I first started seeing doctors and anyone would suggest like stress, I took that as an insult, almost like it was in my head and it wasn't really a physical issue. And now I understand how true it is, right? I left my job, but I didn't leave stress. Like the stress was inside of me. It was my response to the world. Um, I could make anything stressful if I wanted to. So I had to learn how to calm my body, how to calm my nervous system after years of it functioning in a certain way. And, what you were saying reminds me of like, we're so afraid of being swindled maybe that we don't trust these things. Um, and and we don't trust what we can't see. And Eckhart Tolle talks about the same thing you were talking about with geese when they fight and they flap their wings when they're done, right? But he also talks about uh, space, uh, things we can't see. There is far more space or invisible then there is actually something taking up space that we can see. And so just beginning to understand energy uh, and the mystical, magical, whatever it is, even if it is magical, that all of that is tied. And just because we can't see it truly doesn't mean it it doesn't exist. And luckily for me, that like mystical, magical process meant there were all these secret synchronicities. So At the same time I was going to the chiropractor, I was reading and and learning from Brene Brown and Glennon Doyle, uh, realizing I was holding on to shame and that I had used perfectionism and people pleasing kind of as my drug or my way of coping and numbing. And so I started to let go of those things. And then eventually I started reading the works of... um, Bessel van der Kolk, The Body Keeps the Score, mm-hmm. and Gabor Mate, When the Body Says No, uh, and, and the book about journaling and the powerfulness of that. And so all of that together just kept moving me forward in this healing process and affirming that, uh, you know, there is this connection and that when we hold our emotions or our trauma, we're doing something to our nervous system that we can't see, right? But it's a physical, chemical, hormonal response that over time is creating this chronic condition in our body, whatever it is. And it's directly tied to lung disease, to heart disease, both of which I had. And so, um, yeah, it was just enough to keep going and to say, this is my life and I get to decide to live it and I get to decide to be vulnerable and authentic in myself and not keep secrets or hide things anymore.
0: Oh, beautiful beautiful and you could just you could see the release on you and and it it's so exciting to just have this opportunity to recreate your life like you realize wow you know what I don't have to stay with these diseases it, it, you know I don't have to stick with this trauma I don't have to keep this inside me I don't have to cope the way i the way I did i want to do something different and and apparently it worked for you so what do you want to make sure we uh, you say before we wrap up?
1: Uh, Well, I did mention all those resources just in that train of thought that I I would recommend to anyone uh, that's struggling with physical health and not understanding it or feeling that they can't control it, right? So uh, it's not about control, but realize it's not like this is what you're destined to become or to be. Cause for the longest time I lived in this body that I thought eventually, and I didn't know when my someday would be, would stop functioning altogether. Um, and, and so that helped me take back a little bit more of my power in realizing I had to do deeper work, but that deeper work would really be a healing process, um, And the other thing I would say, because I think when we're talking about betrayal and forgiveness for me, like learning that like true forgiveness first meant forgiving myself, which I think sounds so meta, you know, kind of like a lot of the things that we've said, but, um, what I realized I was holding onto was, was like, this is what you did to me and this is what I did as a result of that. And so just accepting my own humanity and being okay with what I did, like rather than saying like, oh, I can't believe you were this kind of person or you did this. I learned to be grateful for that. Like, thank you for getting me this far. And now those coping mechanisms, I don't need you any longer. I'm gonna say goodbye to you. And, and then it was like an acceptance, um, that led to, you know, like forgiveness was almost unnecessary at that point, seeing my own humanity, being able to accept it and move on meant forgiving others. Really? It it wasn't even a part of the equation anymore.
0: Oh, that's so beautiful. I love how you explain that Debbie, where do we go to learn more about you?
1: Well, um, you can go to gobucketyourself.com forward slash books to find the book that I wrote about this whole thing and a 30-day companion journal to go with it to hopefully help anyone interested with their own healing. Uh, I hang out at imperfectprogress.me on social. So I mean, on Instagram. So if you want to send me a message or learn more or need a little bit of support, I'm here for you for sure. Oh, that's
0: great. Debbie, thank you so much. I know there are so many of my listeners and viewers who just participated in this conversation in their own way saying, okay, you know what? I can do that. I can do that. And I know you inspired so many people. So thank you so much.
1: Oh, thank you. I hope so. It has been my pleasure for sure. I appreciate it.
0: When we're struggling, it's so common to go the route Debbie originally went. Healthier eating, exercise, trying to manage stress. And it's only when things get to a breaking point that that we're often willing to try other modalities that may, may seem a bit odd or unfamiliar. Stay in touch with Debbie by going to GoBucketYourself.com and we'll have all of her information in the show notes at the forward slash podcast. Here's my biggest takeaway. Avoiding numbing, distracting may work for a while, but it always catches up to us. In Debbie's case, it was people pleasing and being a perfectionist that kept unpleasant feelings at bay. As you always hear me say, we heal when we face it, feel it, heal it, which is exactly what Debbie did. When we're ready to face these emotions, it's also important to find the right type of support because when the student is ready, the teacher appears. That could be the right book, the right resource, healer, practitioner, doctor, friend. You just don't need to go through this alone. And speaking of support, have you checked out the PBT Institute membership community? Imagine everything you'd ever need to become your physical, mental, emotional best community, support, certified coaches and practitioners. You could schedule time with daily classes on all kinds of interesting topics, curated experts teaching advanced strategies in the areas of health, mindset, spirituality, personal development imagine the most friendly welcoming and supportive place to become your best and it's all online there really truly is nothing like this that exists try it for a month and you will see what i mean and i'm so excited to welcome you just go to the pbt forward slash join to learn more like the show please subscribe rate and review and of course if you know of someone struggling to heal from a betrayal be sure to tell them about the show too thanks for listening can't wait to be with you next time and here's to your breakthrough